either on Crowdcast um, or on Facebook live stream and we're also live streaming onto YouTube and hopefully onto LinkedIn although that link doesn't always work so we'll see won't we otherwise we'll just put it onto LinkedIn afterwards so welcome to my wonderful guest today which is uh, Dr Matthew Anchory who is an Ayurvedic doctor I was thank you very much you're welcome um I was introduced to Dr Matthew by Edith and Fran, uh, who both are um, clients of yours, I believe, and and the whole concept of Ayurvedic medicine, and I've been fascinated by it. So I thought it'd be really particularly um, appropriate um, it, as it transpires um, to have this conversation. And we were just having a quick chat in the green room about the importance of um, how you think about things especially now we've had the announcement about what's what Boris's roadmap is. So we're going to talk a bit about that and how Ayurvedic thoughts and practices can help us with that. But first of all, it'd be really cool if you could introduce yourself and I will sh share on the screen your page, although everyone who's watching this live on Crowdcast can see a little button at the bottom of the screen saying um, where you can visit um dr matthew's website and you can book an appointment with him on there so you can click on that button and i'm just going to share your um your interview on our website so if people are wondering all about you they can go and quickly have a look on the website and there's a lot more you've answered a few questions to give some context to who you are and and, and why um what Ayurvedic medicine is on there so yeah anyone watching now and is interested you can go straight to the website and look at the interview page or go to Dr Matthew's page but hopefully you'll just sit and listen to us because that'll be um, <laughs> so much more interesting and uh, then uh, watching those right I'm just gonna close the uh, close the window there we go so yeah so anyone who's watching on um, this live streaming and wants to know a bit more about what this chat is all about go to the website and look at the pure website or go to dr. Um, Matthews website and have a quick read so can you tell us what Ayurvedic medicine is in simple English <laughs> Definitely. I will try my best. Uh, Ayurveda, uh, first of all, thank you very much for inviting me on this. Oh, you're welcome. You're a lovely more than welcome. sunny day. Uh, and, I know. And I'm glad that uh, anybody who is with us listening live is spending that time, hopefully, also gain a little bit of nuggets of information and knowledge from us. So, yeah, so the task of understanding Ayurveda, it, it took me about. Uh, five to six years of study to understand what it is. So I will try my best to make it uh, uh, understand it, understandable in like five minutes, maybe. So, yeah, basically it's traditional medicine practiced in the Indian subcontinent, South Asia sort of uh, region. And uh, the textbooks that we follow uh, to learn this science is about 2000 years old, written in an ancient language called Sanskrit, uh, which is almost like how Latin is in the West. Uh, Sanskrit was sort of a technical language, not used in mainstream very much. And uh, we still study uh, this language to enter into this science and understand uh, their way of living and, and learn small bits and pieces, how we can sort of apply it in 
our current lifestyle. Um, when I say it is traditional medicine, I don't always see it as just medicine, how we see it nowadays. I, I mostly see it as a, uh, a, a sort of a way of living or simply put, I usually say it's like the user manual. So the user manual that comes with a mobile phone or a electronic gadget, that's exactly what Ayurveda is. It's a user manual to our body and our mind. And, and the user manual always tells you not just about troubleshooting, when things go wrong, what to do. That's just a small part of it. The bigger part of a user manual is how to understand this equipment better in a different way. And also to sort of, it has those very interesting pictures uh, marking, yeah, this is the wire, this is which, etc. Similarly, Ayurveda also has a very elaborate description of how to understand our body, our mind, our gut, and see how it is connected with each other. And uh, the user manual also tells us how to use this machine properly, not just like use it, but use it properly. And the focus is on mainly on prevention of issues. And if that fails due to any reason, um, environmental or internal sort of anomalies, then you go to this troubleshooting where problems uh, are understood and solutions are found from the nature itself, trying to see what kind of plants or natural materials can be int introduced into diet, introduced into one's lifestyle, and how it can be sorted out. So it is quite a, 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 a compilation of experience from many thousand years, uh, because it's very important, because we human beings think like last 2,000 years is what defines us but uh, homo sapiens exactly the same brain size same similar anatomy lived on this planet for 500,000 years uh, so surviving that long in an environment changing environment uh, gives you a lot of information which we have gained and sort of sort of uh, marked it into our genes and and we use it as we need it but this is sort of an experience codified into a certain way of living so that we focus more on prevention rather than react to symptoms and try to sort that out when it happens. So it's very sort of interesting way of living, I would say. I'm just imagining this user manual now. It's going to be like this big. <laughs> it's huge. <laughs> huge like 5000 so, years of a user manual <laughs> so so it's, it's a very interesting thought because that nowadays we handle so much of data so imagine uh, our phones and how much of photographs we have collected it's always to the limit similarly uh, this much of information without any photograph printing or that much of materials it's very hard to transmit or store or do anything with it. So the it's very interesting when we study this 2000 years old textbooks, they are written as poems. They're written in this particular tune. And most of the time, the study of these books, which are huge, uh, you actually learn the poem and the whole uh, lyrics of it and understand the meaning later. It's a very interesting way of studying. Study the whole chapter as a song. 
without knowing what it means it's there is a literal meaning but then you have to understand it based on that eras lifestyle kind of food that was available 2000 years which are all very difficult to understand now but then you are put your mind to it and analyze it and then it makes sense as a medicine uh, so it's a very interesting way of studying where you have to learn it all by heart i can't actually recollect all of it but it, we had to study it all by heart uh, to go through this whole process of learning ayurveda wow so you kind of like absorb it into your being like we do music and memories and uh, experiences and they go deep into our subconscious and that's what our brain uses when we're trying to resource and react and and find resources to to make understandings in the world ayurveda gives you another layer of that and, and also that makes it very easy to make it relevant for the current era because you are analyzing using your experience and knowledge which is mm. modern which is mm. from era uh, the information is from the past you are not literally translating it you are mm. using your layer of experience to make sense out of it which makes it relevant forever it's like a giant algorithm isn't yes. it so ayurveda was actually apple it was like a giant search engine but 2000 years ago i think you know there's something to be said for that isn't there it is it was the original like search engine really of um the processing part of you know what goes into you and i think we've forgotten quite a lot of that in our modern culture we've forgotten a lot about where we came from and all of that you know what do they call it the reptilian brain don't they mm. that, that we we're born with and the limbic we, sort of system yeah we've forgotten that that's all there and it's available to us so ayurveda lets us access that and and as a as a resource yeah so so uh, there are definitely patterns uh, that the nature exhibits in different forms and whether it is say seven uh, colors in a rainbow or there are finite patterns around you or if you try to analyze something around you uh, 5000 years ago you didn't have any sophisticated instruments to examine what elements it's made of you use your senses and that limits you to five different perceptions or five different yeah. points towards everything and and five senses play a very important role in almost all traditional medicines if you really think about it traditional chinese medicine has five elements in it uh, ayurvedic medicines in its base believes that everything is made of five elements the names are different but tibetan medicine all of these have exactly five elements and that number basically comes from our five senses we are limited to understanding everything in five different ways Mm. It's very interesting to see these patterns, and these patterns are very important for uh, understanding our interaction with with the nature. So we are thinking about living in tune with nature. We need a proper science to establish how we interact with each other, and that's what basically that's the algorithm in Ayurveda defines who you are. Uh, it's almost like a 
uh, I usually say uh, like like 5,000 years ago, if you have a, a particular root tuber or a fruit, it comes without a label. Yes. Label. So if you decide to eat it for your survival, it's very important for you to understand its taste, understand what it does to your stomach, and then record that information in a way that everybody else will also understand so they can also continue. So if it gives a tummy ache, they have to actually communicate it easily to next person. And that means a lot of attention is paid to smaller details, like when you consume that fruit or what do you mix that fruit with. And mm. a lot of thought goes into understanding why is that happening. And this framework, which Ayurveda holds on, that helps to sort of explain all these questions. And, and I won't go very deep into the theory of the philosophy. Uh, it's, it's like a meditation can put you to sleep immediately. So I won't do that, but, but it's basically defining that relationship uh, with everything around us and in a more simplified way. I, I, I quite like the idea of being put to sleep after yesterday's announcement. So I was saying to you, I, I had quite an instinctive reaction um, of anxiety after yeah. those um, announcements yesterday. And I and I have spoken to a couple of people and they you know, had a similar kind of response to it because. Um, and that, so it's interesting to think about the slowing because I got a sensation of um, a runaway train. I got a, mm. a, a, a sensation of overwhelm immediately. And we were talking about the fact that um, as human beings, we don't like change. Yes, yes, definitely. I think uh, the biggest cause for uh, sort of stress is, is that we get comfortable in patterns that are suitable for us and is sort of um, able to think about something more different or challenging because we are comfortable with what we do already. Mm. So that continues and then we add more complexities to that layer. If the way we live, the pace that we experience life is suddenly changed, which happens with the lockdown, otherwise there's nothing mm. actually, in reality, it's a good thing. We are slowing down, we are paying more attention to what we eat, there's more time to spend with family and all those good things are there. But we immediately feel the stress because our basic building block of what we were doing outside has now changed. So we have to look back at our old pattern. And I think with last one whole year of pandemic experience, we all have reset our building blocks, changed our priorities. And I hear a lot of people saying about um, you know, finding pleasure in small things, which is exactly what we used to do for 300,000, 400,000 years. Those small things yeah. were extremely pleasant. But then we lost it because we decided to go on a slightly more uh, fast pace or or in, in a good word, be productive kind of a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. and, and that took us in a different way. And we were changed. And now this change is also extremely stressful. But like, like I was telling when we when we spoke initially it's not the slowing down uh, it, it's not that part which we will be worried of the most worrying part is the speeding up because from now onwards uh, it feels like um, like how human life has sped up during the last 100 or 200 years mm. 
uh, it will further speed up like the speed of the vaccine how fast it was developed the speed of how it is implemented the speed of how we communicate compared to sending a letter to someone and waiting for their response to uh, sort of doing uh, an email or a video call or, or any any method of communication which is immediate so we have without knowing got into a much more faster which we could have not imagined maybe even 50 years ago we've already got into it it doesn't feel uh, awkward at all we feel quite natural in that but now slowing down becomes even more difficult which is the root cause of a lot of different uh, mental health related issues or stress related issues because uh, my teacher uses an example of how mind actually perceives stress and different um, aspects which which are negative to our 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 mental health it's almost like a pendulum our mind uh, and the pendulum moves between two poles and one of these poles is our uh, inner consciousness or the spiritual being inside us which is quite sort of opposite to what we experience through the five senses which is on the other side so this side is our soul or spirit or uh, that that pure consciousness that we have inside us, which we experience when we do, say, a meditation or prayer or anything which closes down the chatterbox, the five senses. Suddenly the pendulum moves this way. And the speciality is when your attention or your mind, as we call it, moves here to the soul, there is very less pain and very less pleasure. That's the, that's the identifying feature of this land. Once you reach there, you don't get agitated. You don't get that much pleasure also. And opposite direction where we are in a fast-paced lifestyle is highly prone to both pain and pleasure. You experience more pleasure, but the other side of it is pain is also augmented. And not just physical pain, mental pain. Uh, uh, pain also so stress factors which we are not used to is now something that we uh, have to deal with say uh, i don't think anybody would worry about a um, say mobile phone notification um, because we are used to it now there is an email or things like that imagine if that brings us the news that next 14 days we'll have to quarantine a notification pops up that's an immense stress and immense change in our way of living. And such kind of stress is huge pain, which is the opposite side of the huge pleasure that communication gives us. So what I mean to say is not to go off the grid is not the message. The message is basically that going faster is not something we need to worry of, which is where everybody is leading us to. Going slower is where we have to pay attention to. And that gives us all these advantages, which it's very hard to realize when we are going so fast. So looking at a, 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 a cart or a, a slowly moving uh, vehicle in a bullet train, it seems almost ridiculous. Why would anybody take that uh, to reach anywhere? But they are enjoying the journey while we are just focusing on the destination. Uh, we That's can't an amazing analogy. experience anything, but they are enjoying every bit of it. So, in effect, your your what you gain per second because time is the biggest resource. 
is much more when you walk slower when you move slower in life and 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 there are other things that comes with it like like i said food food without label you pay attention to things you see uniqueness in every individual so when i do a consultation in a family almost certain thing to happen in the next two weeks is that another person in the family will come up with the question i can see this pattern that person is actually eating this way and doing this i am different what is my pattern what should i do so it's almost sort of something that we can intuitively tap into and we almost do it without knowing but the basic concepts of five elements or the body types in ayurveda usually gives you a easy way to decode this connection between us and food us and nature and and gives us easy way to apply it so these are things which we will instinctively do anyway if you are living in a slower paced world like before coming to uk i didn't have to think about eating seasonally uh because the village where we lived in india that's all you get seasonal is what comes to you you can't get out of season products you just have to dream about the mango season coming next year so uh, eating seasonally is not a problem and you actually know that you have to wait for it so uh, that is only part of that slowing down process and we can do that it feels unnatural uh, but uh, it is highly highly beneficial i think especially in uh, a, a preventive health point of view it's very important so the advice you would give people now as we are kind of like we've now got a, a, a kind of like a date we know where we're going with uh, the the next massive change in our lifestyles is instead of worrying about the speeding up which is inevitable embed some practices now that help you to slow down like um eating seasonally considering the food that you're eating look at it take take the bike or the foot instead of the car you know just i know with artists artists live quite an isolated and slower life than the average person anyway because obviously they're in their studios working um but i am also aware that there is a massive train um an industry that they have to jump onto that has been shut down for the last year the exhibitions art fairs etc and that is likely to really ramp up because not only have they missed the opportunity of making money from selling their work through those mediums of galleries art fairs etc but the businesses that um that rely on them and all the people that are in that industry of art fairs etc haven't been able to make any money either so they're going to become there's going to become quite a lot of noise i think and i think it's important for people to understand how they can cope with it you know some coping techniques of how they because they're going to feel quite pressured i think yeah definitely and i think uh, being artistic that quality itself comes with certain nature inside you it's not actually something that uh, is it, it can be cultivated but while you are cultivating you are actually sort of uh, there is a certain energy or a body type that gets influenced the most which we call as the air type or vata which mm -hmm. is which is where the thoughts and the ideas move like air going out of the box becomes 
natural in the thinking process rather than focusing on one aspect on its own or just problem solving it is quite far and and wide and and that has an advantage as well as disadvantage the advantage is it's the creativity is is something that flows naturally if you tap into yourself don't have to actually fully rely on external stimulus but just looking at inwards into you uh, the disadvantage will be that if you are not utilizing your creative energy in a proper way this is very interesting because art therapy is also quite uh, an active method of treating and what art therapy in an ayurvedic point of view does is to help the person use that energy in a more expressive way which is to the most important action of letting go where we actually gain all these negative vibes from say an announcement or or lockdown on different aspects related to external environment this is a method of letting go also for an artistic person and if that's not happening then the mind goes creatively uh, like creatively worrying worrying also can be in a creative ways that you can actually go really far and and deep into something which has not happened or may not happen mm. or may happen but then you are actually getting all the negative energy because of the mind being creatively involved with that idea uh, so it's very important to sort of continue with your own practice of expressing that is basically art i understand it as expressing so that shouldn't stop you should always introspect yourself to see in reality who you are and that's a journey that continues whatever happens outside and this will help you your knowledge of yourself and your knowledge of your expression or your own art in my view will make you more resilient against external factors we can't change these these negative impacts of closure of the um, exhibitions etc that will be there mm. how negatively that's going to impact your mind and your health can be reduced or restricted to a lesser uh, sort of extent if you are Um, much more connected or aware of your own self that's what i always believe said you have to continue that journey inwards uh, to deal with things happening outside you i was really fascinated to listen to that because you were saying about this character type of a creative about the air and the flow and then how if they get overwhelmed by something it can make them stuck it can create this like creative block which i see so often um that there'll be a trigger of some anxiety external thing or they'll find creators will find um that their life becomes out of balance so they're spending less time on their artwork and too much time on the business side of their and so their their body is out of balance and if they go out of balance then everything kind of spirals into a into a a very bad out of control um and then their mind spirals with it and then i have to step in and we have to bring them back and so balance is incredibly important for all of us but most especially for creatives in this very busy world where they are expected to do their own marketing do all the business side and i think artists i'm sad to say aren't very 
aren't, aren't taught a lot of this stuff. So don't know when they should outsource and they don't outsource quickly enough. And understanding when you should outsource so that you can retain that flow is a skill, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. I think, uh, like I said, if you try to sort of uh, reinvent the whole machine yourself, that will always put extra stress and effort on you. Whereas if you have uh, well sort of oiled machines available, like uh, say a facilitator or, or for uh, rediscovering yourself, it could be methods of meditation, uh, mm. eating practices or certain lifestyle changes like fasting and diet related routines. If you have these tools, they are well established methods and, and they can always help you go that way. Most of us will survive uh, with, with, with some stress, we will still survive. But these are methods which was um, developed by people uh, experiencing similar feelings and going through similar situations and they can be quite, quite sort of readily applied into one's life and that's also equally sort of important aspect of uh, taking care of oneself yeah self-care i know often um people will say to me oh, you know you you work with creatives why do you do why do you um spend so much time looking at the holistic side with meditation and with ayurvedic medicine and it's exactly that it's about the fact that most of the the characters um personalities within this industry are in that um water kind of creative and they and it stops flowing and it's finding methods for them to help them reignite the flow and get back in flow and a lot of those medicine uh, methods that i have found to be the most successful for the creatives that i work for are around meditation getting out in nature walking sitting quietly turning off all devices and just letting your mind wander freely and notice what you notice and all of these are within that kind of um alternative therapeutic um range holistic range and you mentioned there um fast food so i'd be really interested for you to just explain to us more about that the the fasting, the uh, all the various food journeys you can take to help you get back in flow. Yes, definitely. So I think the first thing we, when we think about food that comes to our mind is, is having a balanced diet. And the way we understand balanced diet is based on nutrients. Nowadays we know about uh, carbohydrate, proteins, uh, healthy fat, all micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, etc., etc., and we judge food based on the nutritional value and the label and everything that comes with it. But imagine 2,000 to 5,000 years ago, they didn't have any of this information. They didn't know about any of these. Still, the human race managed to survive because if we really think about it intuitively, we know the idea of a balanced diet and that comes from our perception of taste and and we always sort of struggle with cravings and and 
the opposite of it is is when somebody prescribes an herbal medicine it tastes horrible we don't want to take that horrible tasting medicine that 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 always is there our taste buds are telling us about what uh, is our connection with food and we can't take say for example even if somebody uh, craves sugar or sweet uh, we can't eat breakfast lunch and dinner just cake uh, we can try but really we'll really coming we'll struggle <laughs> <laughs> i don't want anybody to try it at home theoretical <laughs> assumption so i think intuitively the ayurvedic concept of balanced diet is a balance of all flavors so if we generally sort of follow a diet which is uh, say predominantly savory sour and sweet that is sufficient to only nourish the body that is only sufficient to give us energy and the nutrients but there should be the elements of spicy or or pungent bitter and astringent flavors which are known to be detoxifying and repairing in nature that's why it's important to have uh, you know even if it doesn't taste sweet or nice green leafy vegetables and uh different other elements that we include spices and things uh because it helps with the other benefit of food which is not just nourishing it's also important in helping our body recover and repair if we ignore that part then we'll have to take external help from say supplements or medicines to do that work for us mm-hmm. which all uh, initially from uh, came from plant based Uh, compounds and chemicals and they are all bitter chemicals interestingly in my childhood i remember when we go to a gp or a modern doctor in india uh, they used to mix different mixtures and and give it as a as a liquid to drink and there is a cough mixture there is a cold mixture different mixtures they mix it up in mm. interesting bottles looks like alchemy uh, and 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 they always taste horrible The, 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 we we haven't started at that time the process of adding sugary syrup to everything every medicine so uh, and and that sort of reminds us that we need that bitterness in the diet itself to balance our healing and and balance our recovery process so that's one co- very interesting concept that all six flavors sweet sour salty bitter pungent or spicy and astringent sort of Uh, lentily pulses kind of flavors also should be there in everyday diet the second concept is that every person is unique uh, when i say unique it's it's not sort of the personality of of that person that's one reflection of it there is also a gut nature how your digestive system behaves what you're really uh, attracted to what kind of flavors you crave what you don't and and your body has a certain nature i don't want to go very deep into the philosophy but simple example is that if you if your nature is to sort of feel cold very easily cold hands and feet if you have a drier skin tendency that you can in winter especially get really dry skin and and your your joints starts making clicky noise these are all different expression of dryness in your body then a diet which is purely uh, juice based and and salad based even though we understand it as healthy will be not suitable for you in fact you will benefit from having 
uh, more soups and stews and warm and lipid rich oil rich food uh, even though it might feel like heavy or oily would benefit you better compared to having just soups and salads which are cold and dry in nature which will make your uh, body still feel more cold and affect your circulation create more dryness and that dryness is understood as a causative factor for different issues related to bones and joints nervous system uh, if ignored for a very long time so externally it's just reflecting there internally it can reflect as a constipation sometimes so it could be any form and it progresses into health issue similarly somebody who has an acidic uh, nature or fire like nature will benefit from all those uh, salads and juices instead of having too much of spices or alcohol coffee things which are acidic and warming in nature mm. will sort of trigger or or lead to accumulate more imbalance and lead to inflammation like symptoms and that can manifest anywhere depending on where is the weak point whether you have a past injury or a past health issue the inflammation will come and manifest there if it's a systemic uh, sort of imbalance the manifestation can be anywhere so things like that are always taken into account when your long term diet and lifestyle is planned uh, most of the time intuitively lot of our nature will be to focus and understand and put it into already into practice but when we are in that bullet train we just eat what is provided in the train or if we are in the flight we just eat those horrible sandwiches because we are hungry <laughs> but if we are in a more slower paced sort of environment we have the uh, ability to look at what is available what's seasonal and how do you feel you have to actually you have got time to pay attention See, a lot of people actually change to cooking at home during this lockdown. Mm. That's not just because you've got time. That's only one factor. Uh, another factor is that if you continue to eat like when you were working and and busy outside the home, you can't distract yourself from the discomfort that it's giving you in the yeah. form of bloatedness, or you have to pay attention to it because you have got time now. uh that's also a reason why many many of us have paid attention to what we are eating made changes in diet and and for a lot of people who are listening now or or later as a recording i would say that the knowledge that you have gained during this lower paced time is actually ayurveda don't look anywhere else for it and just continue to uh, sort of uh, follow that similar kind of pattern and the knowledge that you've gained from this don't let go of it uh, like you mentioned fix time in your day because a ritual or a routine mm-hmm. is mainly uh, useful because if we rely on external stimulus to uh, decide what to do next we will be always carried away by these stimulus and there will be no time to pay attention to your own self so there should be pre set timings and rituals that you take part whether it is like a uh, like a once in 3 days if you decided to do a um, oil self oil application and a hot bath uh, especially in winter it will help your circulation it sort of feels like a, a, a extravagant experience but it's actually quite good in terms of helping your circulation helping your skin and may actually prevent 
joint pains and other issues in the future. So there's nothing wrong in actually continuing these kinds of uh, practices that you might have actually started to experience now. And, and that's actually most important actually in terms of Ayurveda is to pay attention to what your body actually likes and continue it as a conversation. Don't uh, uh, try to take uh, information from say internet or a book to follow uh, in your in your lifestyle. You can try out things definitely, uh, but base long-term practice should be based on how your body is actually communicate or, or, or responding to it. It sort of has to be a dialogue rather than just you giving in instruction to your I own. I love that. Having a, having a conversation with your own body and then doing something ritualistically. And on Monday, uh, so throughout March and April and May, we'll be doing clubhouses for all the members and for um, anyone else who wants to join us on Crowdcast here. And the very first one is on time management because I just think it's not just about managing the time around your work. It's about managing the time around your health and blocking out ritualistic time, as you say. You know, I do that. I block out time for meditation I, every day. I, I block out three times a week for a particular type of exercise that I do. And it's cast in stone and I won't move it because I know it makes me feel better and everything functions properly. So no matter what now, they're blocked in. So we're, we're going to be talking about more about that on Monday in the clubhouse, everyone. So, you know, anyone who's interested in watching this, um, we'll talk more about time blocking and rituals and putting in time for gratitude and meditation. And um, because... They help you stay in flow. And I know everyone thinks, how does this apply to creatives? But it's because it helps you. Because of your nature, these things help you stay healthy, obviously, and that means that you can be more of what you want to be. But it also helps you stay in flow. And flow is the holy grail for artists. Yeah. It's, the, it's, the th it's the thing that they're all looking for. How do I get there and how do I stay there? And you've just told them, listen to your body, have a conversation with yourself, listen to it properly, close off the other senses, and then understand what your body needs and do more of it and make it into a ritual. Exactly. And, and I think uh, that's also the first step towards once you start this process and understand your body and, and maintain that conversation. The next step is to uh, interact better with your environment, with nature, uh, understand how uh, the change in weather is influencing you or anticipate how this change is going to affect your health physically and mentally and what you can do as a preparation uh, to, to sort of balance it. You, 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 there is multiple levels of application once you start this process of having this conversation with yourself. You then apply it to um, sort of seasonal routines or, or changes in diet according to uh, seasonal changes and changes within your body. So there are a lot of different factors that can make it much more. Uh, it's, it's an ongoing journey, an interesting journey rather than just mm. a, a, a simple process. It's sort of a journey and it's, it's most of the Ayurvedic or traditional natural medicines are uh, rooted from imitating nature so looking at nature and finding out how 
how nature behaves or how an animal behaves like like for example i i, I recently sort of read about there is a there is a uh, herb in ayurveda called um, sarpagandha that's the sanskrit uh, name sarpagandha uh, it is uh, it has an active ingredient called reserpine and and for a very long time uh, reserpine was used in as a compound for preparing uh, high blood pressure medication and reserpine in in nature it's, it has a very important story that elephants and they are actually moving from they move in family groups and the male once they actually reach a certain age they actually break away from the main group to make another group of himself when he sort of the uh, growing up into that adult alpha male age hmm. when you when you when that break happens it's a quite a big turmoil and this elephant goes really crazy and mad and and sort of clears out big part of a forest himself to prove that he is strong some kind of anyway this this during this action it always ends with the elephant eating this plant and sleeping for more than a day it sort of induces a calmness and sleeping pattern and and tra ancient uh, traditional medicine people have seen this and then they actually incorporated in people who were experiencing hyper sort of activity or mm. tension headaches and things due to that they never could measure blood pressure but signs of high blood pressure things that mm. were wrong with high blood pressure and that was treated using this herb and now we take some element out of it or compound out of it and then use it for one particular aspect um, so it's very interesting when we imitate nature or when we use say for example spices traditionally spices almost all of them were used not just for flavoring it's also to preserve food if you actually apply all the spices on a meat for example it will stay fresh for slightly longer than it would in in a normal case so that application of spices now we understand spices has good amount of antioxidants mm. which prevent oxidative damage and it continues that function in a living tissue also if you consume food with spices and i'm not talking about chili or like hot spices but flavorful spices including turmeric and and ginger and and different kinds of other spices they actually that that antioxidant value helps preserve your body tissues from damage whether it is from oxygen levels wow. whether it is from stress related hormones whether it is from overuse wear and tear any any kinds of action normally it would create an anomaly but by having a diet which is healing as well as nourishing not just nourishing you actually prevent the illness and prevention was very important in ancient time because i don't know uh, uh, the life expectancy used to be like uh, until 18th century which used to be like 30 years is that the average mm -hmm. life expectancy and um, there is very less chance to do anything once a symptom appear mm -hmm. so all the focus was naturally on developing strength and resilience and preventing uh, it's not because they actually understood that prevention is better than cure that was the only way that was the only way you could survive at the time and now we have this um, sort of 
collected knowledge from all these times how to prevent illness even though we don't need it that's why we are ignoring it we can treat symptoms quite well nowadays that's why we can afford to ignore these but with this current pandemic and situation that we are oh. through we do realize that prevention is also important we can't ignore it completely we need to maintain uh, good resilience and strength uh, good immunity uh rather than rely on medical system to to help us that the system is there to help us in emergency we shouldn't be relying on it to deal with everyday uh nutrition and lifestyle related disorders like blood pressure diabetes all of these are now understood as uh very much connected to our lifestyle and the changes mm. that brought into our lifestyle so there's a lot that we can do i'm not saying not to take any blood pressure medication i'm saying while we are taking that there is some um, important uh, role you can play yourself uh, together yeah. with and that cannot be ignored i think no and also um you know prevention is as you say prevention is always better than cure and now i i mean i have just listening to you now i have a greater knowledge of why when i eat certain things i feel better and when i eat other things i don't feel great and obviously that's going to affect my productivity and my creativity so yeah listen to yourself we've got some questions okay always love some questions edith yes. is saying please can you give us some more information about the three types the doshas Yes, definitely. So, if you are ready for that, we are ready. Doshas are basically uh, not three different body types, even though we always call them like that. It's basically three set of functions that uh, we see that uh, needs to be in proper balance to define or understand a person to be very or or properly healthy. So, health in Ayurveda is defined as three dosha balance. and the three set of function are the first one is vata dosha or movements so it's connected to uh, bones and joints nervous system movement does not just indicate physical movement it's also the uh, movement of ideas and thoughts uh, creative thinking it's related to circulation and movement of blood movement of food through the digestive system so all form of movement and that kinetic energy passing through our body we categorize it together compare it to the element air and call it as vata so a person predominant air energy uh, will it doesn't mean that the other energies are absent it's just that predominance is there we call them a vata body type person and you will see the reflection of air in their behavior digestive system nature ability all of that so vata tendency will make the person uh, go like air quite dry and cold so the tendency to gain weight will be slower losing weight will be much more easier uh, vata tends to create dryness like i said anywhere in the body skin joints constipation tendency it can create coldness and that's not actually we all are exactly same temperature mm. some of us feels quite easily cold me i feel cold. the cold really yes. really bad so the reason is the reason is not a change in temperature it's mainly related to movement it's mainly related to how heat is moving efficiently from core or muscles to extremities 
And when that is inefficient, when movement is affected, that's when we feel cold, mostly cold hands and feet or circulation causing uh, lower blood pressure tendency. Uh, and, and coldness can also affect our digestive fire. So the ability to metabolize or the metabolic rate as a whole also will be slightly under pressure in a way when you are of naturally a vata air-like tendency. And that helps with, uh, uh, definitely helps with creativity. It has all different good uh, aspects to it. The second body type or second functional aspect is compared to fire and we call it pitta. Pitta is like pita bread, P-I-T with an extra T, P-I-T-T-A. Pitta is generally related to all the transformation functions happening in the body. So fire is not just about burning. When we see fire in nature, it's basically something transforming into something else and energy being released, say paper transforming into cellulose, transforming into carbon. And there is energy released in the form of heat and light. So that, that's why Pitta doesn't have to be burning all the time inside our body. It's just change. So most important changes are happening in our digestive system, food transforming into nutrients and building blocks that's needed for our tissues and, and energy as well, calories as well. So that transformation, any function of hormones, uh, metabolic as well as the reproductive hormones, any function of enzymes in the mind, any sort of focused uh, problem solving approach, um, that, that kind of transformative thought process mm. inside the mind. These all come together as pitta or, or transformation function. Like vata uh, creates more dryness and coldness like symptoms. Pitta creates the heat and, and, and burning sensation like symptoms. So acid flux or issues related to digestive system can happen with pitta, vata, pitta tendency. Pitta imbalance also causes any systemic inflammation tendency, redness, burning sensation, all the typical signs of an inflammation usually is understood as a pitta imbalance or fire imbalance. The third body type is kapha. Kapha reflects water and earth, more sort of grounded and heavy elements from the nature. And that reflects nourishment function. So function related to building up of tissue. It is related to respiratory function. It is related to memory, uh, calmness, groundedness. So all those heavier nourishing aspects of our body, we understand it as a reflection of water and earth. And that has, again, imbalances related to that causes water retention, weight gain, issues related to respiratory system, mucousy, tendencies, sinus-related issues, allergies, etc. Uh, these are understood as kapha imbalance-related issues. We have all three in our body, vata, pitta, and kapha. Ideal health is a balance of three doshas or balance of movement, metabolism, and nourishment. Uh, once we identify our nature, we can plan our diet and lifestyle to complement that. So, like I said in the example earlier, a vata tendency person will benefit more from soup kind of preparation, warm and cooked, compared to salads. Uh, and, and that becomes even more important when we are in cold weather. Uh, and, and it is less important if you are in summer, a warm day, and you're not experiencing any signs, then you can definitely include something a bit cooling. So uh, 
you first apply it to yourself to understand what is your predominant nature. There could be uh, combinations of different factors. And then you can apply it to different changes happening in the environment and, and create a sort of a, a, a very sort of moving yet focused kind of lifestyle pattern, which is not very boring, that you're not just doing the same thing every time. You're also sort of listening to what's happening inside you, listening to what's happening around you. Um, so that's basically the three doshas. That's that's fascinating because again it is the um it is about the balance, isn't it? It's like it, it doesn't matter if you are one of them, actually if they're not in balance and you're not respecting all of them, then that's again you're going to end up without that flow, without feeling a little bit stuck. So the next thank you, Edith, for that question. Um and the next question she has is um how weather affects the different types um and changes of the season. Right. It itself is a, a, a sort of a topic good for another hour. But Oh, OK. Itself, Let's keep it to five minutes. <laughs> yes, yes. I'll keep it very, very simple. So the idea that environment affects these doshas is based on the quality. So uh, in, in, in winter, we all experience uh, more dryness and the environment is cold. And it is very common to have more joint or movement related issues or vata issues in winter mm -hmm. you will experience the joints being more achy when the climate is dry and cold and that's basically vata time of the year if you anticipate that you can take precautions and you always sort of pay attention to it while planning diet you will naturally want to have warm and cooked preparations and include a little bit more uh, healthy oils and fats into your diet in winter rather than in summer where where it's opposite to this quite uh, pitta aggravating sort of situation so you don't want to have too much of meat too much of alcohol too much of acidic factors in your diet that will increase pitta related symptoms could cause headache could cause skin related issues um, different kinds of manifestation of uh, pitta imbalance and and kapha is predominant it's going to be predominant now we we call it as hay fever season uh, right. it's mucusy time of the year um, that's what ayurvedic doctors would call so it is anticipated and understood that small things can trigger respiratory symptom uh, in this in this weather that is sort of the uh, difficult time and and it's also kapha creates that heaviness and lethargy before spring uh, mm. beginning part we will feel that it is uh, a bit sort of feels the heaviness from mm. from the kapha and it can cause uh, uh, other issues related to uh, water retention weight gain inflammation or or accumulation of fluids basically in the body um, if we if we anticipate that we can always take precaution for example in winter, it's recommended to do self-oil application and, and baths um, regularly. And in, in summer, we have to make sure that there are there's lots of fluid, very simple thing, uh, lots of fluids in our diet. In, in kapha sort of time, we recommend lots of, so in the hay fever season, to prevent that, we recommend lots of uh, herbal and spiced teas, which are mucolite, mm. lot of ginger tea, including holy basil or tulsi tea, uh, having having black pepper uh, in, in regularly in diets. So the warming spices usually 
help open up the channels, clear out excess fluid from the body. And, and that needs to be started uh, almost like, like now. Now. Uh, so that you are prepared for the... I hope Waitrose and all the online shops are now ready for the fact that you've told everyone that they should be drinking herbal teas and 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 lots of black pepper. It's almost like a Delia Smith moment. (laughs) 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 So um, thank you. That that was really interesting. So um, Fran's asking, did you learn Sanskrit before starting to study Ayurvedic or did you acquire it while you were learning? Oh, very, very good question. So. Uh, generally, to study Ayurveda, you don't have to learn Sanskrit because the first one and a half years of studying Sa- Ayurveda is learning Sanskrit and learning Indian philosophy. We don't start medicine first. We have to undo our thinking process, uh, which we gained during the schooling to start mm-hmm. this science. Uh, but I actually studied Sanskrit in school. That was... Uh, uh, a sort of a random event. I did not plan to do Ayurveda. It was uh, offered in an in in the school which I was anyway going to go, and uh, it was interesting for me to study something other than uh, Hindi or the local language uh, as my as my extra second language. So I studied Sanskrit before, and when I entered Ayurveda, I had a I should say a slight upper hand. <laughs> slight advantage on everybody <laughs> yes, else. Yes, in, yeah. in studying it, yes. Yeah, we could go on for hours, literally hours with this. It's been absolutely fascinating. We have one last question, which we'll, we'll get we'll get in because I think it's a very interesting one, which is how can, because you've been talking about this heat and, um, and cool in the body, how mm-hmm. can Ayurvedic medicine help with fluctuating hormones or menopause? Right, so... Again, it is a topic uh, sufficient. It could be for for a good good time. So tiny. generally, what we understand based on the dosha concept we discussed right now, menopause is not a singular event. It is a series of changes, which from a dosha perspective starts with more pitta or the fire related mm-hmm. imbalance. So before you achieve that, reach that pause where the body decides that the cycles are stopping. Before there will be a higher intensity of pitta, so most of the symptoms will be related to heat, so uh, sort of fluctuation in in body temperature, sweating, any increase in existing inflammation or autoimmune or 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 any sort of uh, long-term inflammation-related issues, gut-related issues, they all become aggravated uh, due to the pitta changes that's happening naturally. As the uh, menopause is achieved, then the body usually tilts towards vata. That's where most of the issues or concerns related to bones and joints, uh, concerns related to sleep, uh, insomnia or anxiety related issues, any uh, sort of uh, dryness, not just skin, mucus, membrane, vaginal dryness, uh, it could manifest in different forms the dryness tendency that develops the water. So there is this initial pitta phase and then there will be a water aggravated phase. Um, it, it, it's it's not something that we can't control. Or it will be very interesting once, you, once anybody understands their body type. For example, somebody who has a vata nature, uh, air nature, while going through that initial phase of 
uh, menopause, they'll be very pleased that they don't experience any of the heat-related symptoms because it's quite opposite to their body type. So it feels quite natural, it went like a breeze. Uh, but they should be more aware of post-menopausal joint, bone, nervous system related aspects. And when somebody has a pitta nature, and that's not related to the menopause, but generally has a pitta nature, will experience a, a higher sort of intensity in all the symptoms prior to uh, menopause. And that's where the focus needs to be in, in anticipating and preventing that from sort of affecting too much the, the quality of life. I, I usually believe that uh, uh, it is a natural transformation phase. And post-menopause, there is a lot of energy which was being utilized for maintaining a perfect uterine lining now available to do lots of different things related to uh, maintaining body health. So menopause is actually a good process that uh, needs to be understood properly rather than worried or feared of that is that's brilliant that's resetting every woman's mindset about menopause it's going to embrace it because actually once you're through it as long as you understand your body type you can find some coping techniques to through food and lifestyle to be able to to cope with it and then afterwards you've got like all this extra resource yeah, because, uh, you know, uh, creating a new life is, is almost a divine sort of function. Mm. And, and to sort of do it properly, we can't afford to have a lining or, a, or an organ which is not brand new. Mm. So body takes that extra effort. Nature puts that extra effort into creating a brand new place every month mm. in anticipation. And that's an extra energy effort. And there is no wonder that every woman will feel during the uh, cycle of hormonal change dips and ups in energy. That is because there is a huge intense activity happening behind the scenes, which we are trying to ignore. But uh, I would say most uh, say uh, uh, high, uh, highly advanced uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, female athletes and all understands how the body changes and plans their activity based on that phases of energy that comes through and it's pretty much easy to define once we slow down and pay attention to what's Have happening the conversation uh, so, so none of this is actually any disadvantage or bad it's actually just uh, uh, you know my my teacher used to give an example of a snake and a snake charmer um, we all, I'm scared of snakes. I've seen people play with snakes uh, for, for a living as a, as a performing art. And uh, my teacher used to ask us, what is the difference between you and that man? What is the difference uh, that he's not afraid of snake? The only difference is knowledge. He understands the snake. If we know something, the fear actually dissipates. And if there's a fear, that's, uh, that's to be immediately understood as a need to understand something a bit more. If you're scared of anything, it's just that you don't understand it enough. If somebody is worried about the vaccine, you don't understand the vaccine well. Or if you're worried about the virus, we don't understand it enough. So once we understand anything, the fear transforms into that extra knowledge that we can 
play with, then we can understand how it becomes, how a, it becomes a superpower, doesn't it? Exactly. Aware, awareness is a superpower. So, and when people say to me, "Oh, I, you know, I'm I'm frightened of doing that," I say, "Do it," because you're gonna. The minute you've done it, you've got increased awareness. You know, even if even if you fail, it doesn't matter because you've just learned something, which is now giving you a superpower. So next time when you're faced with that, you've got all these extra resources. So why not have a go? I have a fear of the known, as everyone knows. <laughs> so I don't like if, if I if I'm faced with something like I was on Sunday asked to do something I'd never done before. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm in. Uh, you know, yeah. because I'm going to learn something now. I'm going to learn something about myself. I'm going to learn something about that, which not only gives me a superpower inside myself to achieve more that I want to achieve myself personally, but it also gives me something more to share, share that yes, experience definitely. with the world and help other people be more of what they want to be. So for me, from this conversation, I've gathered that it's a conversation with yourself that helps you be more of what you want to be. And and all of these are opportunities. Yeah, and continue to hold on to your interest to learn. Never yeah. stop learning. Yeah, lifetime learning. Yes. It's exactly. been absolutely fascinating. We could literally talk for about another three hours, but people will fall asleep. <laughs> yes, yes. And we <laughs> have, have to, to go off and have lunch, time. won't they? <laughs> and other things. Yes. No, it's been absolutely brilliant. And I'd love to have another conversation with you um, towards the end of the year, once we've gone yeah. through the, the next phases, just to understand as we're going into you know like october time when we're going through another mm -hmm. phase of a the seasons but also a phase of this development of how we're coping to um see what other questions people have and what other insights that you can bring to that it's been brilliant yeah anybody anybody who's listening if if they have any question you can always sort of uh, write to me instead of say going ahead with booking an appointment if you don't understand what is this and what it's supposed to do, feel free to send me a quick email and I will be happy to guide you as well. Oh, that's brilliant. What I'll do is um, we'll pop the email, your email, mm -hmm. into the sidebar, into the side chat here, and then yeah. it will always be there. So people will, whoever's watching on Catch Up, will be able to watch it. We'll also pop it onto the Facebook um, Live, so everyone will have a copy of your email. But yeah, you can book in to see Dr. Matthew here. Um, do you do um, virtual meetings as well on Zoom? Yeah, at the moment it's all virtual, and in future there will be both. Uh, I don't think the virtual can stop because during the pandemic, uh, all my appointments have moved from Sussex area to everywhere. So I can't stop. Now it's from all over. Yeah, we have the same thing. It's like we were just doing real time meetings. Now we have to carry on doing virtual because we have an audience all over the world. So they'd yeah. be very unhappy if we suddenly went, oh, no, we're just this, back this, in Sussex. <laughs> yeah, this changes, uh, this, these kinds of changes will happen naturally. Mm. It will be very interesting to see how uh, it will be an exciting journey. I wouldn't say it's yeah. a negative thing. It will be exciting journey ahead. Just uh, don't lose touch with yourself. Just continue yeah. the conversation. That's all. It's that. 
keep having the active conversation with yourself and notice what you notice. And now you understand the three doshas, then it's easier to understand how to keep the balance if you're um, if you feel that you've gone slightly out of sync and that will help you get back into and remain in creative flow. So, no, it's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. We are all immensely grateful. And um, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. If whoever's been watching us on Facebook and on YouTube Live, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to everyone who's joined us here live and have asked your questions. It's been brilliant. And we'll see you here again next week. Let me just tell you who we've got next week. We've got Graham Cullis and Elaine Tobin, both artists, both working within the um, mental health space as well, just considering empathy and how you bring empathy to your practice and how Elaine particularly has been um, a victim of some bullying and she coped with that in a really empathetic and um, emotionally um, intelligent way to help the, um, those who felt that it was appropriate to bully her. So yeah, that's gonna be a really interesting conversation. And Graham has just moved back. Sorry, I disappeared briefly there. <laughs> I'm back. Yes. Carry on the goodbye. Sorry, the uh, signal. That sometimes happens at the end of these talks, the signal. I think one of the talks I was listening to also had a brief pause, but uh, that gave me the information that you'll be back. Yeah, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, I know. It sometimes happens right at the end. So thank you all so much. Oh, we have one little question in there. Mm -hmm. um, done answering. Oh, no, no. It was the same one. Um, Thank you all so much for joining us. And anyone watching on Catch Up, then if you put into Google um, Dr. Matthew Ann Cherry and Ayurvedic Medicine, you will find him and you'll be able to book an appointment. So, yeah, thanks so much. And we'll see you all next week. Okay, Thank bye you, for now. Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you. Bye. 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 bye.